But I'm very honored to be speaking and sharing with you today. And to my mom and dad, they are great leaders of this house, and they always have been for 30 years. And so I'm very honored that you would entrust James and I and other people like Jazz and Jesus to take on just a Sunday morning and speak. And so I thank you for that. And yeah, so I'm just really excited for what we're going to talk about today. And what we're going to talk about is simplicity, and we'll get into that. But it's really blessed my life. And I pray today that it just blesses you. If you just take away one thing, then that's good enough for me. And some of you were with me when I was in what's now City Kids, but used to be called The Rock. And it stands for Righteous Outrageous Kid. Wait, Righteous Outrageous Christian Kids. I think we should have Jamie bring that back. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but can I pray for you? And then we're going to get started. Lord, today I pray that you would you would drop your Holy Spirit in this room, Lord, that we would focus on you today and what it is that you have for us, Lord. You, Church isn't just where we get information, but it's where we get transformation in our lives, Lord. And so, Father, I pray that you would put something in our hearts today, and it wouldn't be about me and what I say, but what you have through your word, Lord, for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I want to start with asking you a question. What have we set our hearts upon? What has your life? Is it your kids? Is it your marriage? Is it your job? Is it money? What do you have your heart set upon? What has your devotion? What has your time in life? If you wouldn't mind keeping these questions at the forefront of your mind, because we're just going to keep coming back to them. I'm going to keep asking them. So just keep those in mind. What do we have our heart set upon? And what has your heart? So we're going to turn to Luke, chapter 18, verses 18 to 25. And they're going to put it up on the screens, but I would also like you to turn to it if you have your Bibles. We're going to be in the Bible a few times today, so keep this handy. Thank you. And this is talking about the rich and the kingdom of God. So Luke, chapter 18, verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. And honor your father and mother. All of these things I have done since I was a boy. And Jesus says, You still lack one thing. Sell all sell everything you have, sell all, your, sell all of your possessions and give to the poor. And then come and follow me. And when the man heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. <clears throat> Sorry. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. So what do we have our hearts set upon? This rich young ruler, he had possessions, he had everything. And our lives are full of desirable things. There's a 401k, there's a good retirement, there's designer bags. There's many things in this life that we can have. So he had wealth and the possessions, he had the 401k, he had all of that. But he could not give it all up for Jesus. He had these possessions, but more importantly, 
the possessions owned him. What has your heart? When we come face to face with Jesus, he reveals to us where our hearts are actually set on. And this is what the rich young ruler was faced with. Now our heart is a very complex place. We're humans. And our soul has many contradicting desires that compete for our soul. We're constantly being pulled. You want to save money, but you buy Starbucks every morning. You want to get healthy and you want to go to the gym, but you go to Chick-fil-A. Listen, James and I love Chick-fil-A. Like, I'm not even going to lie. He likes it a little bit too much. I'm a sucker for in and out That's my guilty pleasure. You want to read your Bible more and you want to pray more, but you spend three hours on social media scrolling and not one minute of your day was spent reading the Bible or praying. That's very confronting. So he was the same. The rich young ruler was the same. He wanted eternal life, but he also wanted a material life. Are we not also like this man? Do we not also have contradicting desires? The rich young ruler wanted a list of things to do. Apologize, my earring keeps clipping this. It's making clacking noises in my ear. He wanted a list of things to do rather than a person to become. He comes to Jesus and he says, I have kept these commandments. I have done these things. And Jesus says, I know that you have done all of these things, but you're lacking one thing. He was doing all the right things eternally, but internally his heart was divided. And Jesus cuts into the heart of the issue for this man. So today we're going to look at a few different scriptures as we looked at this one, and we're going to keep looking at scriptures that will map out simplicity for us today. And we will look what is consuming our lives. And how can we better follow Jesus through a life of simplicity? So the next scripture we're going to go to is Luke chapter 12, verse 22 to 34. And it starts saying, chapters, do not worry. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But starting in Luke 22, chapter 12, verse 22. He says to the disciples, for this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body, and as to what you will put on it. Life is more than food. And the body is more than clothing. In other words, Jesus is saying, life isn't about what you accumulate. And you don't need to spend your time wasting your mental energy worrying about those things. So our purpose in life isn't to accumulate things. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And what's interesting in is that Jesus ties worry to money and he ties anxiety to possessions, to things that we have, to things that we accumulate, to attachments. And Jesus always had the most confronting way in getting into the human condition. He saw right through that rich ruler. So whatever is ultimate in your life will dominate your heart, whether that be what people think of you, the need for money, the need for vices, Maybe that's Jesus. But anything other than Jesus will be taken away. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Take the ultimate need for money or materialism. It's not something that we see to share with people, but it's something that we see as a need that will make us happy. And this is important about what Jesus says. He says, but seek first my kingdom. The world searches for what it will wear, what it will eat, and what it will drink. But Jesus wants us to simplify what we consume so we know that our purpose and our value lies in him, not in what we have. So what does simplicity have to do with what we own? You're like, okay, that's great, but what does that have to do with my things? And Jesus tells us, he says, you're worrying about things, you're worrying about possessions, these things, they are fleeting. Did they give you life? Did they give you purpose? What do they do? That car that you have, you don't take it into my kingdom. What do they do? Jesus knows that you're going to clothe yourself. He knows that you're going to have a car. But will you also clothe other people who can't do it themselves? Will you also let people lend your car with wisdom? There's some people you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> so Jesus knows all these things. But what do the possessions that we accumulate actually do in our lives? So I'm going to list a few things. Number one, too much extra stuff is a distraction to our mind. So yes, it's the things. It's not just about what you have, but the distractions that they bring. Number two, too much stuff is a drain on our time. Things we accumulate have an effect on our money, but more than that, on our time and our mental output. Are there unnecessary things that are consuming you and that are causing you to live an anxiety-filled and hurried life? So they distract us, they consume our time, and they deceive our hearts. Wealth is deceitful, very deceitful, because it promises something that it cannot give. It will not make you happier. There's this man that I recently heard was very successful, and this reporter came up to him and he goes, how much more money, like what do you need to do, like, to say that you've made it, and he goes, just a little bit more. But he was one of the richest men on the in the world, in the Western culture. But this is sold to us by our society. Materialism in the West has become the new dominant system of meaning. Another religion has not replaced Christianity. Shopping has. Vacations have. And a bigger closet has. Amazon is the new temple. That one's tough because I really like Amazon. No, I'm serious. Like, it's so easy to order something, and it's at your door the next day. <laughs> Instagram ins influencers have become the priests of people, and money has become a god. But these things, they're just stuff. They're just things that try and fill a void that aches for God. And we really shouldn't be asking how we can get more and do more, but how can we simplify? How can we declutter our hearts and our minds, our lives, our schedules to focus on Jesus? And I think that this is the perfect time to do this. We just came out of COVID where everything that we thought that we had that was like solid was stripped away. When we were in Australia, we couldn't even go to the grocery store that was like 
five kilometers past our house. I had to come home at 9 p.m. Like I didn't have freedom. I know America would never be like that, but <laughs> you guys are like, what? 9 p.m. occurred to you? But things were stripped away from us that we thought gave us security. And so I hope that today God brings to your attention something that you can focus on, something that you can take from to get back that, what our actual value is, not the things that we have, but who we are, who Jesus says that we are. And to get free from the endless cycle of desire and find purpose and life in the kingdom is through the practice of simplicity. So we're going to focus more specifically on materialism and consumerism. Those are the things that drive our American culture. We're slaves to it. Consumerism is our default. And consumption is driven by fear that what we have isn't enough. And that I am not enough. That my wealth is my value. That's very sad. That is not your value. And what feeds that fear of not being enough is the access to materialism. Take another vacation. Buy this outfit. Get the perfect apartment. Get the bigger apartment. Get a nicer car. And the emptiness is still in us. And consuming masks our hunger for what a true life with Jesus is. Possessions may fill a shallow void for a short period of time, but not the deep longing of our soul. Nothing we will buy give us vitality purpose in the kingdom. There are people that I know and that you know, and they say very interesting things. They search for their life in jobs, in money, in the gym, in relationships, and yet their relationships are still a bit rocky. They still don't like how they look. They still don't have enough money. And they're saying, we are barely keeping our heads above water. And you know what's even more interesting? Is they say, but we're Christian. We go to church. We're all good. Do you know what I mean? And they might ask you, ask you, do you, do you get that? And you're like, um, some of you maybe, some of you maybe not. And it is so hard to watch people that are in your lives search for what you know to be the king, but reject it because the culture of American church has shown them that watered-down Christianity is enough. You don't, have, you don't have what you need at this church. Go to this one. Go to this church. Consume this ideology. But with all that also buy all this stuff and you are living the American dream. That's consumerism. That's not the kingdom and that's not a life with Jesus. There's a quote from Mark Sayers in the Disappearing Church and it says, today we want the kingdom without the king. It's not the kingdom. I have some statistics for you that they're going to put up. You guys are so quick. I love you. Despite being just 12% of the global population, 
the U.S. and Western Europe account for 60% of private consumption spending. Americans eat 815 billion calories of food each day. That's roughly 2 billion more than we need. And that's enough to, fill eight, to feed 80 million people. There are more shopping malls than high schools. And women make 85% of all consumer purchases in the U.S. and drive 70 to 80% more spending. 70 to 80%. 70 to 80% of spending. And look, ladies, we're probably the ones who are like buying the stuff for the guys. So don't let this like, don't let this get you down. The, let me tell you, the women in America are driving the economy. They're the ones that are driving the economy. Sorry, lads. Sorry about that. <laughs> but we are a consuming nation. That's what we are. When I was in Australia, yes, they also consumed. But when I was taken out of that environment, I was like, oh my God. America is a different level. And it's really sad. When you become aware of it, you're like, wow. People are just trying to make money off of us. They don't care about us. It's a great country, but we do have flaws, like every country. So back in Luke 18, talking about the rich young ruler, he says, Jesus said to him, you still lack one thing, sell all your possessions. The rich young ruler had possessions, but more importantly, they had him. Do you own your possessions or do your possessions own you? Where is your heart? What has your heart's attention? What has your devotion? There's a, another quote from a pastor in Portland called Tyler Staten. He says, we are consuming without restraint and reflection. Casual, unchecked consumption is like playing with fire. Are we not also the rich young ruler? Am I not the rich young ruler? I am the rich young ruler. I have many shoes. I have a car that I drive. Are we not also the rich young ruler? An interesting statistic is if you own a car or more than one pair of shoes, you are in the top percentage of those who are qualified as rich. And when I heard that, I was like, what? That's not me. I'm not Kim Kardashian. I'm not Jeff Bezos. That is not me. I'm middle class. But the rest of the world doesn't have two pairs of shoes. I turn on my tap water and I don't even think about it. They think about it. Money is not the root of all evil. But the love of money is the root of all evil. That's commonly twisted. It's not money, but it's the love of money. But let me just clear this up. Rich and poor alike, they can have the love of money. You don't need to be poor to not be greedy. You can be poor and be greedy. You can be rich and be greedy. And Jesus did not cast down the wealthy, those who he came across, unless they got rich off of oppressing people or they did not share 
they're plenty. So don't think that having your car is a bad thing. Having your things is a bad thing. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, what are you doing with your wealth? What are you doing with the things that you have? Are you sharing it? Are you giving plenty? I know that we're not Jeff Bezos, but I know that we can all give something. When I was in college, it was hard for me to give because I didn't really have a lot. But I just was like, God, I'm just going to give $10 a week, and that's all that I can afford. And I felt in my heart that, like, that was okay because I gave what I could. So wealth. It's not about wealth, but it's about the stewardship of our wealth, our time, and our resources. So what is simplicity and why simplicity? Where did it come from? We're going to turn to another book. Same book, sorry. Luke, another chapter. Luke chapter 3, verse 10 to 13. They'll put it up. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked him, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Richard Foster defines simplicity as an outward lifestyle that flows from an inward reality. The kingdom. The kingdom is your first pursuit. Then the outward expression is simplicity. Let Jesus show you what you are seeking first and above him and above your devotion to him. This simplicity was Jesus' way of being. Like, this is nothing new. Simplicity is ancient. It has been around for so long. It's just not what America sells you. It's just not what our society runs on. It's just not what we're used to. But seek first his kingdom. So why simplicity? Jesus lived that life. And this is not, like I said, this is not for you to feel bad about what you have. You don't need to throw away everything. That's not what the point of this is. But use Jesus as the model. He was with the rich and he was with the poor. He was with both. He wasn't with just the rich and he wasn't with just the poor. He was with both. He went to weddings. He went to banquets. He sat down with people like Jeff Bezos and had a Michelin star dinner. He did that often, and he enjoyed life, and he enjoyed things. But Jesus was a man of simplicity. His, his life was to just save us, and that's what his mission constantly was. So what do we have too much of that is pulling our attention from God? The way of simplicity is not to see what in my life, sorry, the way of simplicity is to see what in my life and my heart and my home is taking up unnecessary space in my life that I need to let go of to have freedom, to have purpose in the kingdom. And remember, things cannot change overnight, and there is always grace and grace abundantly. 
And something that in Luke that missed something that was in Mark, when the rich young ruler came to Jesus, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. That's what it says in Mark. I don't know why Luke doesn't say that, but in Mark, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. So remember, there's grace for things. And I just want to share a story about myself and what my journey of simplicity looked like. And it was very confronting. It was very uncomfortable. And I was in high school. I would go, my favorite stores were Forever 21. And my sister worked at Buckle, so that was just not good. I know. But I was unable to walk out of a store without buying heaps of things or without buying one thing. I could not control it. I was just like, I need more. I need this. I need that. I, I, I can't do it. And you know what's funny? Is every single one of those items of clothing that I bought is at Goodwill or ended up in a bag to my cousins. You'll probably see my family wearing my clothes. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. What I'm saying is they actually had no worth. Yeah, I thought that they made me happy, but then I would just get rid of them. It just didn't match up. And so then when, we, when I moved to Australia, my goodness, God did a big work on my life. I was on a college budget, and I was literally just paying to survive. Like, I was buying food and rent. I wasn't buying jeans. I wasn't buying shoes. I wasn't going into a store and buying heaps of things. But at first, I was still buying a shirt, a cheap one, $10. I couldn't stop. But it felt different being in Australia than it did in the U.S. God was trying to get my attention. He was trying to pull me somewhere else. He was trying to show me that my desires were warped. So I couldn't afford it. I couldn't buy things. And then there was trainers who would say things, and I think that God was planting seeds in my life. I was trying to figure out, where did I start with simplicity? Like, where did that start in my life? And then I was like, oh my gosh, like, I had trainers that would say things or people that would say things to me and God just planted a seed in my heart and it just started a fire, a good one. But I had this one trainer and she was super cute. She had great clothes. And I was like, she probably shops like me. But she said, you know, I stopped shopping for a whole year. And I was like, what? A whole year? I could never do that. And she was like, yeah, I only bought food or drinks and, like, the, nece the necessary things, like stuff for my car and oil change. She's like, but I didn't buy clothes because I had a shopping problem. And I was like, it's a bummer for you. <laughs> I was like, I don't have a shopping I have a shopping problem. I had one. And that was very confronting but God was planting seeds in my heart. He was saying, your desires are wrong. They're not in the right place. They're not on your devotion to me. That was a lot for me. And so what I had to do is I had to change. I had to be like, okay, God, let's try this out. Let's stop buying things. And so I had to pray. I'd be like, Lord, please convict me of what I'm buying 
and why I'm buying it. Like, remind me, do you need this? I'm like, Lord, yes, I need this. I need this deodorant. I really do. And sometimes I did walk into a store, and it was actually really hard for me. Like, I know that sounds like, okay, come on, like, that was your struggle? Yeah, that was my struggle. I could not. I had to literally, like, like, okay, there's cotton on. Don't go in. Okay. I had to do that. I, I could not control it. But that was me pulling back my flesh. That was me saying, you don't need that. It's fine. Come back. And I know that that might sound intense for some people. That might not be your problem, be something that you struggle with. But God was forming something in me. I would buy the clothes in the past and in high school so I could get a compliment or or my value came from what people said about me, not from what Jesus said. My value didn't come from Jesus. My, My value came from what I was wearing. I had a big distraction in my life, and it was a materialistic one. And that was hard to swallow. It was really hard to swallow. But store up your treasure in heaven rather than on earth. God really, really changed my life. But it literally sometimes felt like prying teeth out or when I'd walk into the store, I felt like like a, you know, an ache in my stomach. I was like, oh Lord, I can't do this. But I wanted Jesus more. I didn't go to Australia to buy clothes. I went there to get closer with God. I went there to grow my relationship with God. So for you, do you want Jesus more? Or do you want these possessions? Do you want these things that don't give you freedom, that don't give you life, and that don't give you purpose? So how do we start with simplicity? We know what it is. Inward reality, outward expression, God at John the Baptist, Jesus says, don't worry. So how do you do that for your life? And look, simplicity is not a one-size-fits-all. Wealth is very relative. You come from a different background. You have a different home situation. It's all going to look different for you. And that's fine. But these are a few starting points. And just remember, it's an inward reality first. God had to convict my heart. He had to be like, you are not living for me. You are living for yourself and your desires. I had to do that before I ever started doing anything else. So these are a few tips for you. Perhaps the closet needs a cleaning and sorting out. I know Debbie the other week, she was like, I've got a lot of stuff. And I was like, girl, I'm the woman for you. (laughs) Do we have a room in our house that carries all of our clutter? And I know that some things are, you will have emotional attachment to, and that's okay, but it's a starting point. Put it in piles. Be like, okay, these are the sentimental things. I have to keep these, but these are things that I don't use anymore. My sock has a hole in it. I don't need that. These are things that I must keep. Make it simple. Make it practical for yourself. Perhaps our spending needs a budget. I needed that in Australia. I didn't know how to budget, really. 
so I had to learn that. James actually gave me my very first budget. I'm pretty organized, but like this guy came in with an Excel spreadsheet, and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, this is a man for me, yes. Perhaps we only eat what we need. Gluttony. Maybe we don't go to the store and buy that $20 shirt that looks like the one that we already have. Not to throw my Mimi under the bus, but I said, Mimi, do you need 20 black tank tops? <laughs> don't worry. PC got his little... He got it too. We just went through his closet and we gave away heaps of stuff. But he was loving it. They were loving it. They were like, yes, we love this. So these are just some starting points for you and for your life. And so I pray that through all the things that we've gone through, I pray that maybe you just have something that you know that you can get rid of. You know you can sort through something. We're human. There's something that we that we can sacrifice. So the ongoing theme that we have covered is simplicity and how a life of simplicity brings us closer to Jesus in a world that's trying to pull us away from him. So can you be satisfied? in Jesus alone? Is he enough for you? Is he enough for your life? Can you be content in him? Or do you have some things that you probably need to filter through that are pulling your distraction, that are pulling your heart, that are putting distractions in your life? So if you don't mind, would you stand with me? I was a lot quicker than PC, my goodness. He takes like 50 minutes, no, I'm kidding. So, Angela, if you wouldn't mind, could you come up with me? She's like, I just got comfortable, but yeah, I can come up. But in a minute, I'm going to have us respond to this practice of simplicity. And if you feel like the Holy Spirit put something in your heart that you're like, I have something that I can work on. I know what's distracting me. Remember, I had a distraction, and it was materialistic, and my parents are pastors. So if you guys wouldn't mind closing your eyes, just for respect of those around you, and just for privacy of everyone. Nobody's looking, just myself. But if there's something that the Holy Spirit said, look, I know you think you need this, but you need me more. I know you think this isn't a distraction, but it's the biggest distraction of all. So if you have something that you want to let go of, if you want to take steps towards simplicity and better focusing on Jesus, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. What has your heart? 
so we're going to say a prayer. Don't let yourself walk out of here today being unchanged, but let this be transformation to your life. Lord Jesus, you see your people. You see those who have raised their hand, or maybe those who didn't raise your hand. You also see them. You see in their heart, Lord. You see the things that are getting in the way of a deeper relationship with you, Lord. You see things that are distracting their devotion. You see right through them, Lord, just as you saw through the rich young ruler. But Lord, may we drop those things. May we come and follow you. May what you have for us in the kingdom be enough for us right now. Lord Jesus, would you infiltrate our hearts and our lives? Would you convict us? Would you remind us of what it is that we're doing? Would you remind us that you are enough? You are where our value comes. Lord, would you show each and every person what it is that they need to give up? And we thank you, Lord, today for being with us. We thank you that we can come to church and be in a community. We thank you that we can learn, that we can grow together in community. We thank you that we're in a country that we can do that and do that freely. Lord, it's all about you. It's not about the things that we have, Lord. We love you and we love who you are. We love who you're forming us to be, Lord but may we practice simplicity as you also practice that, Lord. May we become more like you. In Jesus' name.